Hello Winchester Vineyard Church family, it's great to be with you again. Last week we were exploring what church looks like in this season. I talked about the links between worship and compassion and how in this time, while we can't be worshipping God in the way that we're used to doing, I really believe that God is calling us to lead with compassion and to look outwards and keep serving our communities as an expression of our worship. And I introduce you to the vineyard person. This is a simple diagram that we've been using for many years to describe just some of the important aspects of what a vineyard church, in terms of the local church, what the vineyard is all about. And so briefly, if the church is like a person, then the foundation that we stand on is the Bible, the word of God, and the lens of the kingdom of God, which I'll comment on again in a moment. The legs of the church are worship and compassion, which I spoke about last week, supporting the body. Um, many analogies for the body of a church, but we've got four, uh, that of a, an army, a school, a hospital, and a home or a community. And I'll be talking about that in more detail this morning. Uh, we talked about the arms of the vineyard, which are like church planting and church development. And of course, Jesus at the head and his work of making disciples and equipping the saints. And in the e-press uh, this week, there is a link to a fuller explanation of this, a fuller version of this that you can download and read for yourself. And I glossed over a little bit last week, but I just wanted to have a word about that phrase, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means the dynamic rule or reign of God. It describes a situation where God is 100% in charge, where his purposes come about and where his people live really happily in obedience and peace, thriving in everything he's planned for them. Now that's a description of what heaven is like and it's also a description of how God always imagined or envisaged the earth to be. Not because he's a dictator but because he wants everyone to have this opportunity to live in peace. The Hebrew scriptures call it shalom. To live our lives to the full and to live according to God's original design for humans. Well as you know if you know anything about the Old Testament it didn't quite work out so well. Which is why Jesus came to earth. And Jesus' mission was to bring God's kingdom, to declare God's rule and reign. It was Jesus who preached that the kingdom of God is near. He didn't just declare it, but he actually demonstrated it too. He didn't just talk about the kingdom of God. Jesus enacted the kingdom of God. Look at the second verse here, Matthew 4:23. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus' ministry was one of words and works. He told stories of what God was like and what it meant to follow him and he demonstrated God's power to overcome evil. He was actively engaging in kingdom warfare. He healed the sick, cast out demons and raised the dead. These were all signs that God's kingdom was close, was at hand. And as we follow Jesus today, as we choose to live out our lives as his apprentices, as his disciples, we are also challenged and encouraged to enact the kingdom of God. We're called to live out our faith in words and in actions, in practical ways that make a difference. We're called to pray for and expect signs of the kingdom. We can ask for God's presence to be with us and we can expect him to come, making a difference uh, as we see God touch and heal people around us, work miracles in the lives of those around us. Maybe we're called to do all of that. We're called to be part of his kingdom story and to make a difference in our communities. And that's the adventure that certainly I want to live for the rest of my life. Last week, I spoke in much more detail about the legs of worship and compassion. And I spoke about how in a time when we aren't able to gather for worship in the way we'd love to, perhaps in this season, our compassion is our worship. 
Now, of course, actually, that's true in every season. But it seems particularly meaningful and important and significant at this time. And therefore, it's worth reflecting on. And if you missed last week's talk, you can catch up on it on the YouTube channel. And even though we can't gather in the way that we'd like to, and oh, even when we do gather, it's just not going to be quite the same. I encourage all of us to keep looking out beyond ourselves, to keep showing up in our communities and our cities, to keep asking the Holy Spirit to lead us out to the people and the places he wants us to minister to and to make that our extended act of worship, which blesses God and brings us closer to him. And if you've been around this church for any time at all, you'll know that this isn't new to us. This phrase, scattered servants that we use, we didn't just invent it for lockdown. We've been talking about this for many years. We very much see ourselves as a church on a mission, scattered around our communities to bring the hope and life of Jesus wherever we are. And so today I want us to think about the main body of the church. I want us to continue using this vineyard person metaphor. And in fact, this diagram, as I said at the beginning, suggests four different metaphors to describe the nature of the body of the church. They're not exhaustive, but they are all very helpful. And I want to take a few minutes to talk about each of these four, about an army, about the church as a school, about the church as a hospital and as a community or, or a house. Now, let's talk first about the church as an army. I'm talking more like a Peace Corps, an army that comes to troubled places and seeks to protect and educate and build and heal and bring relief and peace. And in that way, pushes back the work of the enemy and extends the territory of God's kingdom. Our weapons are the power of God to heal and cast out demons, the good news that can rescue the lost, and the hearts of compassion that feed the poor and care for the immigrant. Really early in his ministry, Jesus quoted this well-known passage from Isaiah, which kind of sums all of this up. Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of God, the master is on me because God anointed me. He sent me to preach good news to the poor, Heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, pardon for all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies and to comfort all who mourn, to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion, to give them bouquets of roses instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of despair. This is the kind of mission that Jesus was involved in on earth 2000 years ago and he's still engaged in now. Except that now he works through his church, that's you and me. And as we partner with him and do these things he did, we help to bring about change and transformation. Ultimately, we claim back the territory that's unlawfully occupied by the enemy. And it happens in different ways. When people come to an alpha course and find out more and make a choice to follow Jesus, it happens when we're out and about in our daily lives and when we share his love and we declare hope and life over situations and people in front of us. It happens when people are in need and we try and do something to help. When we pray for the sick, we befriend the lonely, we stand against injustice, we are a force for good. By the way we live our lives and by the power of the spirit, we aim to be an army that declares God's favour. An army that tells people there is more to life than this. And mostly this happens when we're scattered out and about in ones and twos. And so one of the key roles of our small groups is to support and encourage one another as we seek together to live out this hope of Jesus and bring life to our everyday communities. Let's talk about the church as a school. At Winchester Vineyard Church, we seek to equip people for life. 
And the best way to do that is to teach the Bible and to explore what it says about the various everyday challenges that many of us, if not all of us, experience one way or the other. Let's look at this passage from 2 Timothy chapter 3. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The church is entrusted with this duty to teach and train the people of God and to help them as they seek to learn what it actually means to follow Jesus day by day. This covers all kind of wisdom. And also we look to teach and empower people to share their faith, to pray for the sick, to give advice and to lead others. The Bible's wisdom isn't just for church, it's for life. And in our everyday lives, we all have influence in the sphere that God has placed us. For some of us, that's family or our friendship group. For some of it's our, some it's our wider community or our place of work. Many of us carry significant influence in our organisation or out in the marketplace. And we really need the wisdom of God to navigate those challenges and moral questions that we face. This doesn't mean that all that we do in church is sit in classrooms and listen to a teacher talking although sometimes it's like that as now, but we do try and use as many different forms of learning as possible using media and discussion and small groups and storytelling. Our style is not to tell people what to think, but to share our personal convictions and then give people the space to reflect and ultimately make up their minds as they take their thoughts and questions to God. Many of us are particularly having to do that in this season. And small groups have always been brilliant places to spend time with others who are on the journey, to chew over the Bible together, to share our thoughts and discuss and learn from one another. Let's talk about the church as a hospital. Sadly, but inevitably, many of us come to Jesus and we're in a bit of a poor state. And if you've recently decided to follow Jesus, then often there's some stuff that needs treating in your life. Even if you've followed him for many years, sometimes there are hurts and emotional damage that need his forgiveness and his healing touch. And although our sin is forgiven at the cross where Jesus died for us, it sometimes takes us quite a long time to deal with the consequences of sin in our lives. Whether that's through our own poor choices or whether it's through the pain and hurt we feel as a result of someone else's sinful choices. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And being in this community of faith and choosing to build relationships with people allows the time for the reality of Jesus' sacrifice for us and for the power of the Spirit to work in us, to cleanse us and transform us. Some of us really need that. Life has been a struggle. Jesus promises help and healing, and as his church, we want to do our best to facilitate that. Honestly, for some of us, we feel so bruised and broken in a weird way, we kind of think it might be easier to stay in that place of pain other than open ourselves up to God's healing. We find it hard to let our guard down. We struggle to let others in. And that's really understandable. But while we're doing that, we're not actually choosing to take the steps of growth to ultimate healing that Jesus offers us. And so whatever has happened in our lives, Jesus doesn't judge us. He doesn't condemn us. He offers change and healing. This is a phrase we use often in our church. Jesus says, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. I wonder if you can imagine yourself checking into a hospital and then just wanting to stay there and just not wanting to get better. Joe's dad used to be a doctor looking after elderly people. 
And sometimes, particularly around Christmas time, he would find patients in his wards who, you know, there was something wrong with them, but they weren't really poorly enough to need to stay in hospital. It's just that they didn't want to go home because they were lonely. So they'd rather stay in hospital, perhaps even risk getting more sick. Some of us come from all kinds of hard places and we experience Jesus' love and power and we find security and peace in him and his people. And then he begins to gently challenge us to start moving forward and we resist because it's painful or it's too honest, it's too real. And sometimes we find we'd rather stay in that unhealthy place than try and get better. And as a pastor, I've spoken to quite a few people like that over the years. They're usually unhappy, they're sometimes grumpy and they often end up moving on because it's just too challenging to be around God's people when you don't actually want to follow God and grow and change. And one of the most loving things that we can do in as kind and gentle a way as possible is to help people understand that reality for themselves and surround them with love and support as they choose to take their own steps of faith and growth. Although becoming more like Jesus might take a lifetime, sometimes some of us need a specific season of hospitalization and we just need to take time to recover and heal from the effects of sin. And at Winchester Vineyard, we have a wonderful ministry called Streams of Hope, which specifically aims to help people who just feel a bit stuck. There's wonderful Holy Spirit prayer ministry and other support. And if you want to know any more, you can email Streams of Hope or email into the office and we'll connect you with them. Sometimes transformation and healing happens dramatically and quickly and that's really wonderful but honestly in most cases the truth is it's a slow process. Most growth happens incrementally. You know we change little by little and little and we don't really kind of know it's happening until we look back and realise just how significantly things have changed. And it's the people who are regularly sharing our lives who are around us being part of that journey that get to see that and get to experience it and help us reflect on it and see it for ourselves, which is why small groups are so important for those who are committed to the process of following Jesus, transformation, healing and growth. And the last metaphor that we're going to talk about is the church as a community or a house. Paul writes about the church in the New Testament and he often uses the metaphor of a building. Here's one example in Ephesians 2. God is building a home, Paul says. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. And we see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. And Paul is describing how as each of us responds to Jesus, as we make a choice to follow him, it's like we are rescued and we become bricks in this incredible home that he is building and in which he wants to dwell, to live with us. And it's all by his power and his grace and not by our efforts. He is establishing a home. He's building it brick by brick, wall by wall, wing by wing. And each of us gets to take our place here because of God's generous invitation and because of Jesus' death on the cross. And so we're able to be part of this spiritual house of God, this home. And one of the things we do is to strengthen the house through our worship and our prayers and our actions. To keep focused on the home builder, Jesus, and to keep inviting his Holy Spirit to dwell there 
we enjoy his presence with us. That's something we can do in a larger group and not so much in this season. And it's also something we can do very much in small groups. And so when we gather in small groups, it's like we've got our own little room in the house. Sort of like joining with others to find some space where together we can grow our relationship with God and enjoy his presence and join in with his work of expansion. So that ultimately there are even more spaces to welcome his presence into. And so these four metaphors are all very powerful. Army, a school, a hospital and a community. All powerful metaphors for what we believe the church should be. And you'll have noticed that when I commented on each metaphor, I also mentioned how important small groups are in our key activities. It's true that there are some things that we can do really well when we're larger and when we're gathered. But so much of what we do as a church is most effective in small groups. And life groups have always been an important part of church life here at Winchester Vineyard. In this season, while we're scattered, they're more important than ever. Essential if you want to maintain connection. And if you're not in a life group, then I really, really, really want to encourage you to join one. Life groups are a place to belong, to get to know people, a place to learn and grow, a place for healing and care, a place to support one another. Discipleship is a team sport and we're encouraged to do this together. And that phrase, one another, occurs loads of times in the New Testament. In fact, there are loads of different references to it. Here's some examples. I don't have time to go into them now, but they're all there. And I'm just going to leave this slide up while I continue to talk. You know, live in harmony with one another, love one another, confess your sins to one another. Life groups are simply the best places to put these commands into practice because life groups are where we do family. And I don't know about your family, but my family is not really neat and tidy. It's messy. The conversations around our family dinner table range from the profound to the ridiculous with everything in between. Family is where we learn to love one another, encourage one another, honour, speak the truth to one another, confess. And in a church context, life group, when it's done properly, is an incredible place to do the same. Now the truth is that life groups don't often feel very remarkable or momentous, just like our family meals don't. I mean, sometimes they do, but mostly they just happen. But it's the ongoing commitment to relationship that's essential. In our family, it's one of the few non-negotiables we have that everybody will be present at meals for relationship purposes. And because we're the parents, we've made that the rule in our family. Our kids didn't get to choose. But in church, we do get to choose. And like a family in mealtime, life groups can sometimes be decidedly average. One can blend into another and be not particularly momentous. And they can be hard work. It can take time and effort to be committed to a group. And sometimes you just feel like you can't be bothered, don't you? You know, it's the middle of the week. You're tired after a long day. Just home from work or sorting out the kids all day. Or Honestly, what you'd much rather do is relax, have a beer or a glass of wine and watch Netflix. But it's life group night. And it can feel like the last thing you want to do is go and be with people who are different to you. People you probably wouldn't choose to hang out with. People who might dress differently or act differently or think differently to you. People who might have a different theological understanding. They might make choices that you wouldn't make. They might be shy or awkward. It might be really embarrassing. What if you're the only one that shows up? It's hard enough when life groups are in the room. And for some people, not everyone, but for some people it's even harder on Zoom. Although you have to say... Sometimes it's easier on Zoom. The reason that life groups can feel distinctly average is that relationships happen in real time. 
There aren't shortcuts in relationships. It's one of the things we can't speed up in this life. It just takes time to get to know people and for relationships to grow, we need to show up consistently. We need to be present and keep making the choice to put ourselves out there. You don't often have an amazing night at life group, but over time, you can have some amazing groups. And as a pastor, I often end up talking to people and praying with people about the stuff that's going on in their lives, the difficult things that they're struggling with, the things that are affecting their emotional health. You know, it can be a family issue or a work issue or finance or parenting or parents or physical health or mental health. Stuff happens and people go through it and we all need support from time to time. And if they're part of our church, my next question is always, which life group are you in and are you going regularly? And there are usually only three answers to, those, to that question. Number one is, yes, I'm in a group and I love it. We support one another. It's great. Quite often I hear answer number two, which is, well, I'm sort of in a life group or I'm kind of attached to one. But honestly, I don't make it that often. I've heard that quite a bit. And number three is, no, I'm not in a group at the minute. And sometimes that's followed up by something like, I tried a group, but I just didn't click with the people or it just didn't work out or I was too busy or the people were in a different life stage. And yeah, all of those things happen. And that's absolutely true, they do. And so I ask, so did you try another one? And usually I end up with, well, I got too busy, I couldn't be bothered. I just want to let you into a pastor's secret now. This is a bit of a wall of mystery that I'm going to peel back, a big reveal. I hope you're, I hope you're ready for this. When I ask that kind of question, I usually have a good idea of what kind of answer I'm going to get. Sometimes I just actually know because I just found out, but often... I can guess from the conversation and the way someone is. And you know, we're not here to judge. I'm not here to judge. We will always try to be kind and supportive. There are many reasons why stuff happens and we can't get to life groups and stuff like that. But it's also important to be honest. And the reality is that most of the time, there is a direct connection between the quality of someone's spiritual health and the choices that they're making around life groups. And it amazes me sometimes that more of us don't see that. And sometimes people come and they'll say something like, I'm really struggling to make friends around here or I don't really fit in. Occasionally they might even spiritualise it and say, I feel like God is telling me to move on or try a different church. And look, I know this church isn't perfect and I know that we're not for everyone. And sometimes God does call us to different seasons. Totally fair enough. But in my experience, people who find it hard to fit in for whatever reason haven't usually taking the time to really invest in relationships here. And therefore it's not that much of a surprise if they go. Now on the flip side of it, in the 10 years since Joe and I have been here in Winchester, we've observed some incredible people go through some really challenging life circumstances and come out stronger and healthier and more mature and more wise in a way that they probably didn't think was possible. You know, I'm talking about life-threatening illnesses, unemployment, painful marriage breakup, loss of family members that were so close to them. I'm talking about seeing their children go through really challenging circumstances, massive events in life. And we couldn't be prouder of the way that some of you have walked through these tricky times, the way you've clung to God by the fingertips and you know who you are. And when we dig into how those people have coped in those really tough seasons, you see that it's about consistently making choices not to isolate themselves. It's about deliberately opting to stay in community, to keep going to life group even though you don't feel like it, even though you feel like you've got nothing to contribute, even though you feel like all you can do is sit quietly in the corner and cry and wait for ministry. Maybe it's not that bad, but that basic act of showing up and choosing to look beyond yourself, to, to look beyond your own circumstances, to be part of something bigger, 
Doing that has helped many people to process and heal and grow in their relationship with God. And some of us are in that place right now. We're experiencing difficult, difficult circumstances this week, this month. Maybe we're struggling with lockdown and isolation and stress and we really need friends. You know, the life group signups have opened today and you're first on the list. Yep, I'm there. I'm on to church suite and I'm signing up. But some of us have heard the advert for life groups today and we're feeling a tension about what to do. And maybe you know that you want to, but you're not sure if you can. Maybe you're thinking, I'll just give life group a miss this term. Or I'll sign up, but honestly, I probably won't go very much. I'll show my face a bit, kind of stay loosely connected, watch the Sunday stream, but can't really engage in anything more meaningful than that because that feels too much like hard work or too painful. And if that's the situation you're in, then my heart goes out to you because I know how tough that is. But with all my heart, you are exactly the kind of person that needs to be in a life group, that needs to take those difficult steps. And if there is anything, anything that I or Joe can do to help you, please let us know. We would do anything we could to support you and encourage you to engage with a life group in this next season. I mean, this is unprecedented times. Nobody knew it was gonna be this tricky. And we don't know how long it's going on for. So with all my heart, please join a small group. And if you really struggle with that, if you just don't know how to go about that, if you don't know which group is the right one for you, if you'd like to have another conversation about that, we are here for you. Joe or I will happily give you a call, come and see you, take you out for coffee, have coffee in your house or in your garden, whatever it is we're allowed to do. But we would love to help you figure out how to get connected to a small group. If there isn't a small group there, we'll figure out how to get one started that works for you. And so my plea, my heartfelt plea is, don't avoid this opportunity. Don't pass up this moment to sign up for a group this term. You've got a couple of weeks before they all kick off. Plenty of time to look on the website and think about it. What is discipleship, what is following Jesus going to look like this term for you? And who is going to be on that journey with you? Why don't we pray together? And Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you into this place. Wherever we are, wherever we're watching from today, whatever time of day or night it is, would you come and would you bless and be with us? Would you fill us with your presence? And would you come and speak to us now? And we're just going to wait for a moment. And I just just saw this picture of a three-legged race. And it wasn't a race, but it was the act of tying your leg to somebody else and then walking together. And I felt like for some people, we're not going to manage to walk on our own, but we can do this together. And for some people, it was simply an act of going and saying to somebody else, hey, can I tie one of my legs to yours and let's walk together through this season? And maybe you're the person who needs that, or maybe you're the person who can offer that. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would show us how to respond, how to react. Lord, that you would give us the bravery, the courage to take that step forward. Lord, that you would give us a clear direction, that you would put people around us. And for those of us who are struggling in this time, Lord, that you, by your very presence, your Holy Spirit would just comfort and protect 
and bring your peace even right now. And Lord, the response from today's talk is a practical one to go online and to get signed up for a small group. But would you also just come and show us how else you want us to respond in this season, in this moment, in this day. Lord, may we know you with us. Yeah, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. Why don't you just stay in this place and we'll let the worship just play out and just allow the Holy Spirit to come and be with you, minister to your heart today.